Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. King James. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Welcome to the live. Nothing personal. We do it live Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, 8 a.m. right here on YouTube. If you're listening, go to YouTube at NPDS and you'll be live. And here we are talking about LeBron James. Did you stay up for it? How could you not? I spent hours last night, not just watching the game, but after the game, thinking about the game, thinking about life. It really makes you uh, think about mortality. Maybe that's just my age, but I think about life and death and what I'm watching and how, where it fits in history. When I'm watching events that happen both in politics, in entertainment, in sports, you try to put things in perspective. Watching LeBron James break a record that I grew up and I was an adult since 1984. I was 16 in 1984. Yes, I'm giving away my age. It's Googleable. That's one thing about Google that's right. And I was uh, heading into my junior year in high school. And LeBron, LeBron, Kareem gets the scoring record. And Kareem, I was born in Milwaukee and I lived there until 1974. And I knew Kareem had gotten traded to the Lakers and I'd been following basketball since 1973. Very, very closely. It was my favorite sport of all time. I, I just loved it. I was watching players and watching games, big Knicks fan. So Kareem has the scoring title all time. And then Kareem keeps playing and keeps playing and he ends up with 38,000 points. And you do the math 
which is what you do in sports all the time. That's all you're doing is math, which is why I love it. You're calculating how many hits do I need to have a 300 average? And I've got 40 games left. How many hits to get 200 hits? How many home runs? How many home runs per at bat? It's why after opening day in baseball, someone gets two home runs. They're on pace for two, 322 home runs, right? It's funny that way. But you're doing the math, and we're all doing the math today. Who's going to catch LeBron? But at the time, the math was who's going to catch Kareem, and the answer was nobody. And then you go through the era of Jordan, who loses two years to his baseball career, whatever, and he retires. You look at Karl Malone, who snuck up that list and then stopped, and he played till he was unable to go forward. Whatever happened to Karl Malone? You don't see him too often, do you? He resurfaces once in a while. The mailman, he could deliver. So you're looking at the list. Carmelo Anthony's in the top 10, a prolific score. His career is done. He will not be able to catch LeBron or Kareem. You're looking at Durant. You, then you go to younger players. You're looking at Luka, and everyone's talking about maybe Giannis. People are saying the game is so crazy. There's no defense. People could average 45, 50 points a year. So you don't have to be good for 20 years. You can be good for 10 years. And if you get score... 4,000 points a season. You don't have to play forever. You could play for 10 years and get 40,000 points. I get all the math. I get all the barbershop arguing about who the greatest is. But when you're watching LeBron play and you've watched Jordan play, you've watched Kareem play, you've watched Karl Malone play, you've watched Luka play, to me, you have to start thinking a little differently about who the greatest player is of all time. And it's a debate that I want to have with you for one minute, just so you can think about it in a slightly different way. I wanna get back to what happened last night with LeBron breaking the record, cause it was awesome. But the biggest thing that's gonna be discussed today is, is he the greatest of all time? Does this end the debate? That's the first thing that people thought of. He hits the fadeaway 14 foot jump shot with 10.9 seconds left in the third period over the Oklahoma City Thunder in a game that they ended up losing on a team that may not make the playoffs. And the first question is, not will the FCC find LeBron, but, or the Lakers, or the NBA, but that's it. He's now the greatest of all time. But that can't be the end of the debate because if that were true, then Kareem would have been the greatest of all time up until last night because Kareem had the all-time scoring championship, right? He held the record since 1984, 38 years. No, Kareem is not the greatest of all time. He was not the greatest of all time yesterday. He's not not the greatest of all time today. So clearly scoring 38,388 points does not make you the greatest of all time. Let's go deeper. Fourth all time in assists. We're talking numbers, aren't we? Outstanding. That doesn't make you the greatest player of all time. We can't settle this debate through numbers. It's not analytics. It's not Brad Pitt. It's not Moneyball. You have no ability to have a dispositive argument using just numbers. It's not math. When you have an opinion-based argument, you can use things to buttress your argument, but you will not be able to prevail until you convince an overwhelming majority of the people that the basis of your argument and how you formed your opinion is in agreement with other people, and therefore collectively you can say, okay, now we've come to a decision. There will never be a decision that is correct about who the greatest is of all time. 
That's what's so cool about the debate and what could have Coke and I at each other's throats as we are approaching the show today because there is no answer to the debate. He can say LeBron till he's blue in the face. I can say Jordan till I'm blue in the face and I can explain why. He can explain why, but I'm not gonna use numbers. I'm gonna use the word dagger. And when I use the word dagger, Coca rolls his eyes and says, dagger, LeBron James has the most game-winning shots, has the most clutch shots. He's the one you want with the ball at the end of the game. And I say dagger, not because of what it means at the end of the game, but what it means in the middle of the game, what it means with eight minutes left in the second quarter of the game, what it means in game two of the season and game 79 of the season, what it means in the preseason, and what it means when you're in the locker room or on the plane flying to play Michael Jordan. For a player to have a dagger, that means that you've gotten inside the head of your opponent in a way that gives you a competitive advantage that is greater than the difference in your talent level. That means that there is a je ne sais quoi pas. I don't know what. The dagger is that when you are playing against Jordan, you are waiting to lose. Now you can tell me that he worked his way up and under Doug Collins, he didn't win championships and it took a while to get past Detroit and Boston, but then when they did, he won six titles in eight years. The only two years he didn't win were when he was out of, out of basketball. You can tell me all that. Then he went to the Wizards and didn't win titles. He needed Pippen, he needed Horace Grant and John Paxson, Jim Paxson. I think it was John Paxson, Jim Paxson. Damn it, Coca. I'm just gonna say Paxson or Steve Kerr or whoever his role players were at the particular time, Bill Cartwright, doesn't matter, Dennis Rodman. The dagger effect is when you are so far greater, both mentally and physically than anyone else in the league at the time you've played and anyone else in the league at the time anyone's played. So when you watch LeBron James play or when you watch Kevin Durant play or even Steph Curry play, Steph Curry, when he's winning games, he will, he does the shh, the good night when he puts his, when he goes in the fetal position, when he hits a three that he knows that's the end of the game, meaning shh, the game's over. That's the exact definition of not the dagger because the dagger is when you can go shh, you lose before the game even starts. Now, don't get me wrong all the Steph Curry lovers out there. His father was a great shooter who you may not know at Del Curry. Steph Curry, unbelievable player, not in the conversation for GOAT because you don't go into a game against Steph Curry and say, we cannot win. When there's a possession where a basket needs to be made, you can give me the numbers on LeBron and Clutch. You can give me the numbers on Michael Jordan and Clutch. I'm telling you the mentality of teams when the Bulls needed a basket, they got it. It doesn't mean they always got it. It's like going against, I was trying to explain this before the show. It's like going against Pedro Martinez in his prime. He was the greatest pitcher of all time, in my opinion. And you can give me stats on who won more games and all the other numbers you want. But I can tell you the mentality of going against Pedro Martinez when you look at who you're facing. It's not like facing the best pitchers now. It's not like facing the best pitchers I ever watched pitch on my team or the Cy Young Award winners. When, Pedro, when you were going against Pedro Martinez, the mentality in the clubhouse going in was, hey, our pitcher has to throw a shutout. And then we have to hope that they take Pedro out in the 12th inning. He's not gonna give up runs. And if we absolutely string together in some miracle and score one run in the first inning, congratulations, we have a shot. And that doesn't mean that that's the way it was. It means that's the way it felt. 
And sometimes when things feel a certain way, they are a certain way. You've heard of faking it until you make it? And I'm certainly not going to argue that LeBron James is faking it. LeBron James is faking it until he makes it. I was in Miami. When he took his talents to South Beach, I was with the Marlins. Thanks to John Henry and the transaction where we got front row seats, I was able to watch LeBron James from the Spike Lee seats for his entire Miami career. He did things that makes your jaw drop. He won two championships, lost two championships. They made it to the finals every year. He goes to Cleveland, wins a title, goes to LA and wins a title. We're talking about an unbelievable career, which lands him as the second greatest player of all time, which is not bupkis. To say that you're the second greatest player who ever played a sport, that's quite something. So I'm thinking about the GOAT debate. I'm thinking about Michael Jordan last night, and I'm thinking about LeBron James and how Jordan handled things, how LeBron handles things, the pressure of being a, the greatest player playing right now, the pressure of social media, the pressure of microphones, many things that players in the 80s and 90s and 2000s were not truly dealing with. Pressure on athletes today is far greater. Scrutiny on athletes today is far greater. Scrutiny on everybody today is greater. It's greater on your kids. It's greater on yourself. Your employers are looking at you in ways they never did. Your parents are looking at you in ways you never did if you're part of our young audience. We didn't have to think about going to parties and lighting a J and thinking that someone's gonna put it on social media and a future employer is going to see it and that could have an impact on our hiring. We didn't worry about anything we were doing other than at that moment, making sure that you're not urinating in public so you don't get arrested. That was the biggest concern making sure that the guy, the chief delivering the weed into your apartment is not an undercover cop, right? Those are the biggest concerns. Now you're watching every step you take. Every move you make has to be thought of in advance because it doesn't go anywhere. You can delete whatever post you want. You can delete whatever tweet you want. You can do anything you want. You can delete photos from your recently deleted photo file. You can use any encrypted platform you want, from WhatsApp to Signal to Viper to Lamborghini, whatever you want to use. The privacy that we have, the ability to do things under the radar, it's gone. So think about the pressure when you're LeBron James, and he manifested that the other day when he said, I just wish I could be normal. I just wish I could go to Starbucks and write LeBron on my cup and not have it be a big deal. I get that. I think we can all appreciate there's a level of fame, not a level of wealth, but a level of fame. Well, I could also argue a level of wealth. As a matter of fact, I will argue that. There is a level of fame and a level of wealth where you get over the mountain of happiness and you are sliding down into the valley of despondency. LeBron James cannot go anywhere, and I'm talking about in the entire world, including the African continent. And I'm making that because, statement because you remember last summer when I was on the African continent talking about different athletes, Tom Brady could walk around without a problem in Tanzania. I promise you, LeBron James cannot. It's weird. Tiger Woods could too. I was very struck by that when I came back. So LeBron is talking about his fame. He stands up. He goes into the game. And I was despondent. And the reason I was despondent is that I had a pick that said he was not going to get the record because the NBA would want to bake this till Thursday when they were playing the Milwaukee Bucks, which is tomorrow, have Kareem in attendance with his old team. It would be amazing to do the ceremony in front of Giannis. 
I did not realize until before the game started that he was a mortal lock to break the record last night. Why? He had everyone from his family in. Adam Silver was there. I didn't realize that. Did you? When he walked into the arena and they showed him. So if you placed a bet based on my pick of the day from yesterday morning, I hope that you were smart enough to unplace it or at least place the other way so you could at least hedge it. Because I was on the phone with Coca before the game started and we acknowledged the under 32 has no shot. He is breaking the record. So the Lakers are feeding in the ball and I had not watched the Thunder very much this year. And I was struck not just by how many Williams they have, but they were staying with the Lakers and it looked like an all-star game to me. There was no defense at all. So I'm thinking about the state of the NBA and then I started thinking about how much scoring there is and how much scoring Luca would have to do with the fact that there's this much scoring to break a record like this. So I'm doing the math in my head and just thinking about the timing. And meanwhile, I'm watching Oklahoma City when I have them uh, I've got the Lakers minus seven and a half in a pick. I'm watching them make shots. I'm watching LeBron not pass the ball. I'm watching him be very efficient in his scoring. And I'm saying to myself, it's done. He's breaking the record. So we get to halftime. He only needs 16 points. And you knew it was inevitable. So then it gets to two points. And there was an electricity in the air that only comes with history. It doesn't come with a playoff game. It doesn't come with the clinching game seven. There's something about when you're watching something that you know for sure you will never watch again. There's an opportunity to watch another game seven. There's an opportunity to watch another championship or another all-star game, another dunk contest, another spectacular breakaway dunk, another shot that makes you go, wow. But the opportunity to watch LeBron James take this from Kareem, and there was a lot going on behind the scenes there. Kareem and LeBron are not exactly buddies. They did the hug after it was done and Kareem passed him the torch and they posed for pictures and it was all fine and dandy. LeBron said a few nice words about Kareem, but they have always had this amazing competition between them and Kareem, as some people can get, can be a little bitter. I would be bitter too if I were an athlete like Kareem. I've always talked to the older athletes I know from the Andre Dawson's of the world who's not bitter people who played in different generations, people who did things that were spectacular but did not get remunerated and realized that their career earnings were less than the career earnings of some of the crappiest players in the NBA. And you can say, oh, you're a boomer. Oh, it's the time. Why can't you just be happy for people? Because human nature, there is jealousy in human nature. Obviously, there's envy in human nature. And if you're the, one of the greatest of all time, you've got the all-time scoring championship record and it's done and you've got all these, Kareem is fascinating. We did a segment on him and what he is sort of in our cultural mores. Just a very well-respected, opinionated, smart musician, writer, poet, thinker, civil leader. And he has a problem with people who have a big platform who don't use it for what he thinks it should be used for. So LeBron, they're showing Kareem on TNT, which had the game, of course. They're not discussing how bad the Lakers are, how bad the defense is, how bad the clock management was at the end of that half with everyone, you're supposed to hold the ball to the end of the half and then shoot instead of giving LeBron an extra shot or giving your opposing team an extra shot. Just little fundamentals. Just these two teams stink. Adam Silver's watching this game saying, is this the game we now have? Are we good with a 133-130 game? Are we good with Ole Ole? Is that it? So we get to the third quarter, 10 seconds left, a matter of when, not if. 
everyone's ready. And I was thinking about when special things happen, all the people in stadium operations are getting the tape ready. They're queuing it up. They know exactly what's going to happen when he breaks the record. The referees have been told in advance. The Oklahoma City Thunder were told in advance by NBA officials who would go into the clubhouse before the game and say, hey, if he gets the record, just know the game will be stopped. We're going to try to keep it to 12 minutes or shorter. They had a time. They have a timeline. And you saw all the people on the court the minute it happened. Photographers had a certain amount of time. There were people sort of directing traffic. First, there's going to be Adam Silver do a presentation. Then we'll have the following pictures, et cetera, et cetera. Adam Silver takes the mic. It's not like he wasn't ready, except he wasn't ready. It was terrible. And then they do pictures. Kareem looks awkward. LeBron takes the mic and says, talks about everything, but doesn't thank the Heat, doesn't thank the Cavaliers, he talks about the Lakers as being the greatest fans. It's not like LeBron didn't have time to think about what he's going to say. So it's pretty telling about what he mentioned. Is it just recency bias? I would think you'd want to thank people in Cleveland and people in Miami. They were as big a part of who LeBron is than the people in Los Angeles. He didn't mention any teammates. None. Strange. Dwayne Wade was there. Was Draymond Green there, Coco, by the way? Draymond Green is uh, the player who said that no matter what, he was going to go to this game. Even if he had a game, he said, I'm going, I'm going to skip my Warrior game and go to the Laker game. Anyway, they didn't show him, so I assume he wasn't there. And then he looks at the camera, he's tearing up, and he says, fuck, man, thank you, guys, and drops the mic. <laughs> that was awesome. LeBron James. I wonder whether Kyrie Irving was watching. He was meeting the media too yesterday. God, Roger Goodell must be so furious, right? This is, God, I just said right, cut that coca. Are we live? Cut it. Four, eight, six, nine. Roger Goodell can't be happy, can he? This going on during Super Bowl week, the number of people talking about the Super Bowl right now, zero. Amazing. They own this two week period and certainly the week before, today's Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're four nights away. And guess what the second topic of today's show is? Not the Super Bowl. Kyrie Irving reporting to Dallas. I'm not going to get into the fact that he deleted his apology on Instagram. I'm not going to fight with Coco about it. I'm not going to fight with any of you. I'm just going to ask you to consider this when you're discussing it today. If you leave an organization, and that's an organization that forced you to apologize for something that you did not want to apologize for, and you are only apologizing after you were told that by your lawyers and by your union that there's nothing they can do, you're not gonna get paid. Posts an apology, gets traded from that organization and then deletes the apology. Now, if you're gonna say, hey, that's a coincidence or you're gonna say, hey, that's just cleaning up his social media, fine, that can be your opinion. My opinion is he deleted that on purpose. Why? Because he didn't wanna apologize in the first place. So Kyrie shows up in Dallas You've got two choices when you get traded. There really are, that's all you get. There's always the first media moment. The questions from the press are always the same when someone gets traded. How do you feel about being at your new team? And how do you feel about your old team? Those are the two questions. You got an opportunity to take the high road or the low road. Kyrie decided what he thought was the high road, I think is more of a middle to the low road. He said that he felt disrespected 
and it made me angry. And I agree that I get angry because I used to be in management for a long, long time. So maybe that's my perspective more than a player's perspective. But if I'm Joe Sy, and I know exactly what Kyrie had been doing over these years with the Nets, and I know what a disaster the big three were with the Nets, I'm pretty upset that he thinks that we disrespected him because I'd be thinking that he disrespected us. You don't want to get the COVID vaccine? Okay. You want to post that you like a movie? Okay. Is that respectful though? He said, I just want to be in places where I'm celebrated and not just tolerated or just kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. That's a fascinating quote, isn't it? Where he wants to be celebrated? Was anything more celebrated when they went to the Nets when Durant and Irving and Harden went with the Nets as part of their big three? The talk around those three players? Celebrated? Fetted with great odds to win a championship? Only until they didn't play together and didn't win together that they went 13 and three in the games they all played together. Maybe that's what he means. Tolerated because we're supposed to tolerate the way people are off the court? No. If way you are off the court gets in the way of the way you are on the court, I'm not gonna tolerate it. I'm gonna tolerate anything you want off the court if you play and if we win. That is what players and fans sometimes forget. The front office's job is to win. That's it. And if you are doing something that stops you and us from winning, my job isn't to tolerate it. On behalf of you, the fans who want to win above all else, do you want me to run a daycare center? Do you want me to run a place where the tail is wagging the dog, where there is no discipline, where there is no winning? Trick question. You shouldn't care if there's no discipline as long as they're winning. You shouldn't care if the tail's wagging the dog as long as they're winning. You've already made it clear as fans and media, you want owners to spend, but they're only good if they win. Otherwise, they're just dumb and they don't listen to the right people. Winning. Tolerate. He said there were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt very disrespected and my talent. I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic. I don't want to talk about your work ethic because you're not playing. Don't tell me about your work ethic when you're not playing games because you know that there's a mandate and that you're not being vaccinated or that you're forcing us to suspend you. It doesn't matter. I'd rather have Iverson looking at me and saying, practice? Practice? I don't need practice. You're talking about practice. That's sort of what Kyrie was saying. I want you to talk about practice. I want you to talk about what I do off the court. So he's now the Dallas Mavericks problem. So what's interesting is that he goes to a team where he's paired with Luca. He goes from a team that was in fourth place in the East to a team that's barely over 500. And he does one more parting shot before he dresses. 
He said, there's a lot of disrespect that goes on with people's families, with their names, and I'm just not worth it. So it's nothing personal against any of those guys, against the front office. I wish them well, I left them in fourth place. I did what I was supposed to do. I like that he said it's nothing personal against any of the guys. Is he talking about the owner? He's talking about Sean Marks, Steve Nash, maybe James Harden, maybe Ben Simmons. I'm glad he wishes them well. But do you think that that's what players are supposed to do? Do you think that's why we sign free agents or we trade for players? Because what they're supposed to do is take care of their teammates, be selfless in their approach to leading? He was selfless in his approach to leading? No, you're supposed to win. The Brooklyn Nets experiment with this big three was an abject failure. So he heads to Dallas and he says, see you later, KD. Have fun discussing with Joe Sy what you're gonna do going forward. Have fun seeing if the Nets can win without me. I'm gonna go here with Mark Cuban and we're gonna try to win it all where we're now the fourth best likely to win. It's not gonna happen. All right, Coca. Oh, I watched a movie with Anna Kendrick. We got a review. Oh, we got to take a break. All right, take a break. What commercial are you showing? We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's almost like we had that planned. On this stage, winning is all that matters. That was the ad if you're watching the show live. That is not on purpose, by the way. So the movie I watched, uh, I love when I go onto a streaming service and then it says new release or available to rent or buy right now. Anna Kendrick has a new movie out called Alice Darling. I wanted to talk about it for just three minutes here. She plays a character who is involved in a psychologically abusive relationship. And she has an anxiety issue where she's pulling her hair out and she is hurting herself very much mentally because of the way she's treated in a relationship. And the movie is about her trying to be saved by her two friends through some sort of intervention, through a realization that there is a way out. I wanted to talk about the feeling that people have sometimes when they feel like there's no way out. There are hotlines in place where you can call if you're feeling about taking your own life and you see that in shows right now. Whenever there's any sort of suicidal ideation, there is a number you call. If you, if you know anyone who has thoughts of suicide, if you know anyone who has a drug addiction, if you know anyone who's addicted to pills, or if you know anyone who's addicted to Coke, or if you know anyone who's got any sort of bipolar, psychological disorder, there's phone numbers to call. And too often those phone calls are not used by people before it's too late. And the reason is the same as like when your parents say, call me if you're drunk and I'll pick you up and you're 14 years old and then you're like, I'll call anyone but them, I'm not gonna call them. 
Some people call their parents, but most people don't. Some people call the hotlines, most people don't. That's why we all have to say something if we see something. That was started by Homeland Secretary Jay Johnson. And it was really based on terrorism. If you see something, say something. But it actually applies to everything in life. When you see something, you have to say something. And we have been brought up where recently no one wants to say anything because you're afraid of getting involved, because you're afraid of violence. You're afraid of, hey, I don't want to be bothered. I see someone yelling at someone. I see some sort of abuse happening. And I'm not even talking about if you're friends with a person, just walking down the street. Oh, keep going, keep going. Don't interfere, don't interject. You don't know what's happening. There are people you can call. You can call the authorities, you can call the police. We have to try to protect each other because some people can't protect themselves. And Anna Kendrick, who's a wonderful actress, if you're looking for an Anna Kendrick sort of quadruple, go watch Pitch Perfect, go watch The Last Five Years, Up in the Air, and Alice Darling. So when you're a friend of someone involved in a relationship like that, and you talk amongst your friends, we've all been in this situation, haven't we, where we talk amongst your friends, that's not a good relationship for her or for him. They're not right, they're not happy. It looks like something's off. If you have that feeling, that means something is off. And we talk about put staging interventions for our loved ones or for our friends and how often they succeed, how often they don't succeed. We don't want to do it because it's none of our business. We shouldn't do it. My opinion is you have to do it. If you see certain signs, and even if you're wrong, then be convinced that you're wrong. It's not like the goat debate. You're talking about someone's life. You're talking about someone's ability to live a life. Anna Kendrick does she get saved by her friends or not? Watch the movie, it's called Alice Darling. And think about in your own life, the circumstances where these things happen, where you're put in a position where you can make a difference and you choose not to. You're put in a position where you can make a difference, you choose to, but then it doesn't matter because the outcome isn't what you wanted and you feel like you're a salmon swimming upstream. Peen in the wind. Why would I bother? It's not worth it. They don't care, they don't want help. It's just not true. It's they don't know how to get it and they're afraid of what'll happen if they do get it. When you've got an important decision to make, what do you do? What's your process? I just want you to think about that. I think about that all the time. I make decisions. We've done shows on decision-making. How many decisions you make during the course of the day. Aaron Rodgers has a big decision to make. And let me make sure that I frame it exactly how I want to frame it. Coca, I'm going to look in the camera and I'm going to frame Aaron Rodgers' decision. Do I want to play football next year and get paid $60 million or do I not? That's the decision. That's it. Aaron Rodgers went on his weekly Pat McAfee appearance and it was awesome. It's a great show, the Pat McAfee show. If you're looking for an extra show in addition to Levitard and nothing personal, if you have time, you may want to do it. There's a bunch of great shows. Speaking of someone who's a free agent, right? <laughs> Coca, make sure we get that in there. There's a lot of great shows there. Can I name them? If you're not watching Colin Coward, then you're not paying attention. If you're not watching Levitard, then you're not paying attention. If you're not watching CBS, then you're not paying attention. If you're not watching Fox, then you're not paying attention. If you're not listening to Omaha podcast, then you're not paying attention. All right, so we have that, so we can cut all those in depending on what happens. All right, Coca? 
So he gets on there, Aaron Rodgers does, and he says, I've decided that I've got a decision to make, and in order for me to make it, I'm going dark. Remember one of my New Year's resolutions is to spend a weekend cut off from cell service? I'm gonna put my phone down for a weekend. Well, Aaron Rodgers has made me look like a nothing. Aaron Rodgers is spending four days in the dark. He's going full Luca Grimes in Yellowstone. He's gonna go be surrounded by nothingness. There's apparently a slot for food, like he's somehow on Alcatraz, but it's otherwise pitch black, no phones, no electronics, no nothing. I wonder whether he'll be naked, sitting there, cross-legged, pondering his life. Do I want $60 million? Do I not want $60 million? Do I try to do a buyout? Do I want to be on the Packers or do I not want to be on the Packers? I'm sort of hungry. My eyes will adjust to the light, but it's still pretty dark out. What time is it? I don't have a watch. There's no day, there's no night. I'll sleep when I'm tired. Will I dream about the Packers? Will I dream about my big decision? Have you ever seen someone more starved for attention than Aaron Rodgers? I couldn't give a tinker's rat's ass on whether or not he is going dark for four days and his decision-making process. What are you doing? Let me know. And I'm not talking about as a fan. I'm talking about with Green Bay. Just tell me, because I'm under the working assumption that you want your $60 million. But I have to wait here for you to go through. Last year, he did Anastasia. That's not what it's called, Coca. Come on, what's it called? It's called Akinasia euthanasia, whatever it was, he did some sort of drug. He was quick to say, no drugs this time, just darkness. And my view of that entire thing is the following. It doesn't matter. He said, I've got a pretty cool opportunity to do a little self-reflection in some isolation. And then after that, I feel like I'll be a lot closer to a final, final decision. Okay, look at me, Louie. You could have just waited till after the Super Bowl. You didn't have to tell us you were going dark. You could have just gone dark. In this era where we all tell people what we're doing, and I'm as guilty as anyone. If I'm, you're gonna know when I'm doing my weekend without phones. You're gonna know when I'm doing something that I think is cool or spectacular because it's what feeds ego of those of us who are in the public eye and on social media. We all do it, don't we? I'm fine with him having an ego and feeding his ego. I'm only asking, how going dark helps him make a decision and why he's tying the two things together. Don't do that. You don't need to do it. Sitting in isolation meditation dealing with just thoughts. He claims he's gonna have some hallucinations. Hell yeah. Do you know where you get hallucinations from? When you don't eat and it's in pitch black and all of your senses just go bad? I think that's pretty normal, right? You start getting a little weird. Does that happen when you've been up studying and you take no-dose or um, what's that, no-jolt or jolt cola? Is that what you do now? What do kids do in college when they wanna stay awake? I guess they just do Coke, right? No, that's not what I did. I did no-dose. It was that literally called N-O-D-O-Z. Can you imagine? I don't think that's allowed anymore. All right, Aaron Rodgers, here's my prediction for you. You're going to go dark for four days, then you're going to come back and say, hell yeah, I'm coming back because, wait for it, on a silver platter, I've seen the light. Nothing personal pick of the day. 
were down to 17 and 21. The Lakers did not beat the Thunder by seven and a half. LeBron did not go under 32 and a half and did not go over seven and a half assists. So our plus 263 parlay from yesterday lost. So we're 17 and 21, two bets. Why are the Mavs getting eight from the Clippers, Matt? Do we know? Isn't this Kyrie Irving's first game? Even if George and Leonard are playing, there's going to be this sort of halo effect that happens after a trade where somehow they work together so well and play well together and it's going to look brilliant and the Mavericks are going to beat the Clippers tonight and all of a sudden it's going to be, wow, this is genius. Mark Cuban, you're the best. You're better than the rest. I'm taking the Mavs plus eight versus the Clippers on the assumption that Irving and Luka are both played. Now, it would be funny if they sat Luka for load management but played Irving. That can't be, can it? Does anyone know? Can we do a pick of the day where if both aren't playing that we say we're not doing the pick of the day? Coco will get back to me on that. All right, what else happened last night? I'm gonna spend just a few minutes, if you don't mind, talking about the State of the Union. Don't turn it off. Keep my retention there. We only have a few minutes left. Stay with me. The State of the Union is when the president once a year, right under our constitution, will give the state of our union, our union as in the United States of America, and Joe Biden walks in and he talks in front of, of a divided Congress. You know, the Republicans are part of our run the Congress and then you've got uh, the House and then you've got Democrats have the Senate. You've got the vice president, the new speaker of the House, McCarthy. It's our democracy in action. No matter what your view is of any politician, you watch a State of the Union, whether it's Trump, whether it's Bush, whether it's Biden, whether it's Clinton, Obama, Reagan, doesn't matter. It's good to see what, what's, what are people thinking about? What's on the agenda? I couldn't help watching the State of the Union last night and being a little sad. A little sad, not because there was booing going on. Not sad because people's choice of clothing was pretty bizarre. Not sad because there's a bunch of crazy right-wing people sitting in that room. Not sad because there's a bunch of crazy left-wing people sitting in that room. Not sad because there's debate. That's what it's for. There are debates on the House floor. There should be debates. Sad because the debates are not about positions anymore. The debates are about partisanship. I don't get that. I don't get that we're in a place where the Speaker of the House has to look around to decide when he can applaud and when he can't. Tell me who doesn't applaud when you're talking about getting rid of fentanyl and being harsher on drugs and opioids. Who doesn't applaud for that? If you have a different view of Roe v. Wade, okay. But fentanyl, what's the other view? What about affordable insulin or affordable prescription drugs? I'm just curious. Who's not in favor of that? You may not be in favor of how it gets paid for and you wanna find another way, but to not clap for the concept, it strikes me as strange. I don't agree with everything Joe Biden said by any stretch. Joe Biden showed me yesterday that he is so far left of center that it's staggering. But that doesn't make him wrong. It doesn't make him right. It doesn't make me want to applaud any less or any more given his personal views or the agenda that he wants because I know that there's gonna be lively debate. But there can't be that lively debate 
if people, before they go into the debate, know exactly what the position is going to be because it's their party position. Why is that the case? What makes it, can you imagine being in your place of work and you're talking to your coworkers and you're talking about new ideas to raise revenue and you go in with a preconceived notion of what you think is right and you're not even willing to listen to what anyone says and you're certainly not willing to be convinced. Does that make sense to you? Would you want the people, if you're a, a, a business owner or if you were running a team, can you imagine hiring people who all they do is not is talk over each other and all they do is they never listen to each other and all they do is come to you with what their preconceived notion was of what you should do in a certain situation? How is that value added? I'd fire every one of those employees. You have employees there to make yourself better, to make your company more profitable, to think about things in ways that you're not thinking about them. For people who have an expertise in an area that you do not have an expertise in. That's the whole purpose of having employees. That's how you build a business, knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know. It seems like in that chamber last night during the State of the Union, no one knew anything about anything except they were being watched about when to stand up, when not to stand up, when to boo, when not to boo. And then they can cry about the fact that in this democracy, it's an outrage that there's booing going on and then make fun of people's clothing. Or they can cry about the fact that there is a absolute outrage. Who's gonna pay for all these programs? The taxes are gonna go up, even though Joe Biden specifically said, if you're making under 400 grand, your taxes aren't gonna move. And then he talked about the richest people and the richest companies who don't pay taxes. How is that not offensive to you? Oh, cause you're a shareholder of those companies. So you think your stock price is going to be impacted if these companies have to pay tax. What about the individuals then? I find it hard to believe, and it's true, what Joe Biden said, that there are billionaires who pay fewer taxes on their income than teachers and firefighters because they've got tax shelters. They've got way to shield income. They have ways to delay loophole put it into trusts, all sorts of things that firefighters and teachers can't do. So Joe Biden was actually correct in what he said, but that shouldn't be the point. The point is that we all need to keep going because the things that are said during a state of the union, just like during presidential debates are the same as 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. The issues are the same. Staggering, the inability to fix certain things. Maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe these issues will never be fixed. Then I just think we ought to be nicer to each other if we're not gonna fix an issue. What, are you gonna sit in a room and just fight? I found it a little disheartening. There's only one thing worse than being upset about the State of the Union, and it's not watching the State of the Union. All right, wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it happens, I tell you and I revisit it. If it doesn't happen, I revisit it. I like going through wait to sees like yesterday. I told you wait to see LeBron will break the record Thursday. Eh, that's a wait to see that's wrong. The wait to see I have for you today is about Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, that's out of left field, but if you're reading the papers today, you're going to read about it. Alex Rodriguez is trying to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. Part of buying the Timberwolves is that he had to make certain payments at certain times. It's called a step transaction. We've talked about it on the show many times. There's a rumor that he missed a payment in December, he can't find the money, and there was an extension given till the end of March for his next $200 million payment with his partner, Josh Lohr. Well, I've got a surprise for you, 
A, his name is Mark Lore, and B, they haven't missed any deadlines, and C, they are going to close this transaction. They will find the money because they bought the Timberwolves at a valuation that is lower than what it's worth now. It's like David Beckham in Miami who had the option for MLS. Of course he's gonna get the team because the option was what's called in the money. That means you can buy the Timberwolves and then three months later sell the Timberwolves and make a ton of money. A-Rod will be able to syndicate this along with his partner, Mark Lohr. They will find a way to get this deal done with Glenn Taylor, and he will be amongst the new owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I promise, don't pay attention to what you're reading. The deal's not in jeopardy. Wait to see. The T-Wolves sale will happen. Why? It's just business. This is nothing personal. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.